pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I haven't enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on. Enjoy. Draft Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Draft Rugby Show, where we discuss fantasy rugby, the game they play online in heaven. Seated next to me is my brother, Harry. I'm Nelson, your host for tonight, and we've got a special guest tonight. Uh, everyone might have been seeing uh, a pretty pretty popular hashtag recently, <laughs> uh, hashtag Atco knows. Uh, he tries to claim he didn't start it, that someone else did, but we all know the truth behind that. And uh, so uh, how do you... Uh, how do you think this this went for you, mate? Did this hashtag, Atkinson, is that is that something that you started or, or how did that come about? <laughs> Look, despite um, popular belief, people want to believe that um, I started this. That I, it's, no word of a lie, it wasn't me. Um, people, there's people out there who tell you I'm conceited, but I'm not that conceited. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was um, it was genuinely James Hall um, who's just been sort of pumping my tyres. Kevin and I go back from um, when he was still at the Reds, and I was working at the Reds, and uh, I think he was doing it for a laugh at first, and then it's just kind of snowballed, and now he thinks it's um, fantastic, and he messages me privately, and he's like, "This is going bananas. How good is this?" Um, and I joke and say, like, oh, you know, we'll have a TV show soon. And he's like, oh, I hope so. But, um, yeah, no, it was all Kevy. And uh, as I said on Rugby Heaven, I'd rather Kev um, have a laugh with this than bring up some of our horror trips when I was team manager. <laughs> some of those trips to uh, South Africa, I've still got PTSD. Yeah. Look, I, it's obviously worked because I'm just on Twitter and Dad said it's like COVID is the number two term. At Co knows is number one, so it's absolutely taken off. But we look to be honest, we've we've loved. If everyone has included on Atkinson, Atco, obviously Michael Atkinson, but um, we've just loved the insight you're giving us to Queensland rugby and and I suppose Australian rugby as a in a broader sense as well. It, it just really feels like what we've wanted as rugby fans in Australia is to get that time on, on the news and, and get rugby out, you know, in, in front of people's faces. And it's just awesome to see you doing that and, and that really building at the moment. Are you, are you, what's changed there for you? Um, I've probably started to see Twitter as more of a platform to do that rather than just tweet um, nonsense or my reactions to things. Oh, um, I mean, I still do that. Um, I think I've matured a bit moving away from having four, five, six beers during a game and tweeting about decisions I don't like. Um, but because I work in TV, um, as in TV news, and we only have, you know, basically I only have really one platform to put my stories out in the TV world and that, or maybe two, we have an afternoon bulletin at four o'clock and we have a 6 p.m. bulletin. And you know, there's not always a huge amount of time dedicated to sport. It's like a quarter of the hour, maybe, or if that. Um, and within that, it's even smaller for rugby. And a lot of the stuff that I get or I hear, it's not always workable for TV. And I do a little bit of writing. If I get something, I might try and put it together in a bit of a, um, a print form for online for Wide World of Sports. But I just started seeing that, like, the reaction I was getting from Twitter was really engaging and as as you're saying Nelson like people are really sort of getting interactive with it and I think that's the best thing for rugby is uh, getting more eyeballs on on the game and just by keeping the news cycle going 
Yep. And um, I was saying to one of you boys, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I'm not really the type of journalist that will um, chase everything. Like, you know, there's there's a side of journalism where you've got to cover something that's controversial, something, and some people love it, some people don't love it, and it's just part of the job. Like, yep. I love like talking about the rugby, and yes, like there's updates on like who's in, who's out, and maybe you sort of revealing that before a team can have the chance to reveal it. But I just think it keeps the news cycle going. And so I just started noticing that putting it online and Twitter was like another way of like delivering it as news rather than like a comment. And uh, yeah, I just, it's kind of blown me away how much people respond. Uh, And if you look at some of the bigger codes, like NRL, AFL in particular, you know, Twitter is like a constant thing. And there's plenty of bad things in social media for sure, but just the constant news cycle and the constant um, conversations around their games, I think, uh, is massive for growing the profile of the game or continuing the profile of the game. Um, so that's kind of what I noticed. And so I just started going, well, you know what, a lot of this stuff isn't going to make it where in our 6 p.m. bulletin. I'll start using Twitter as a bit of a like my own sort of like news bulletin, I guess. I think it's great that Twitter... Number one, I think it's probably the diehard fans that are on there constantly engaging. So it means that the people that are seeing what you're putting out there are the ones that really want to know about it and really want to interact first and foremost. And yeah. secondly, with Twitter, I feel like the best thing about it is that you have a direct line to so many people that there's no other way you could ever communicate with. Like if you want feed- mm-hmm. feedback about, you know, a team from a journalist, it's pretty amazing that I can shoot you a message and that you'll give me the information that you, <clears throat> you can and help out. Like it's mm-hmm. the, the interaction that you get with fans is awesome. And on, on Fantasy Footy, we, we've done this for a few years or quite a few years now. And we, we took to Twitter to find out those little snippets and those little bits and, and it's built over time. And I, I know Harry messaged you regularly to, try to find out something about Reds players, but it's not helping his team. His team's still useless, but, <laughs> but he's always trying to get those little bits of info. So I, I think that's yeah. just brilliant to, to have on Twitter. Well, you, you look at, um, and Harry, this might be an idea for you. Um, you would have seen, I, I'm sure, I'm assuming that NRL physio guy on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Like he just started out like tweeting, like, because he's a physio, he'd see someone get injured on the field and be like, by the looks of that mechanism, it looks like this. You know, like he wasn't necessarily diagnosing, but he was saying like, and people like loved it. Mm. And they say people go to him for like injury updates now. And he's got like 36,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah. And he started like his own podcast sort of thing. And he's, he's really like, yeah, seen an opportunity and creating video content and stuff like that. But he literally just started out being like, oh, Sansa's just gone down. The way he went down, that, that knee is the usual yep. um, scenario for an ACL. You know, and people started like picking it up and con- and discussing it, and yeah, he's just gone gangbusters. Yeah, I mean, he, he's very uh, constant on his posting. We've run the I've run the casualty ward, which documents every single injury that is up on the internet for Super Rugby for five or six years, which is a lot of the reason I've hit you up at times. I, I talk to a lot of the reporters across Australia and New Zealand to try and make sure we're on top of that, and then do the same thing. If there's not a lot of info. I try and offer, you know, well, this is what it looks like and this is the expected return to play time for that average type of injury as well. So at yeah. times that can be really helpful. I remember um, there was one who's the um, hot stepper winger from the Hurricanes that's out of Milner Scudder. Yeah, Milner Scudder did a uh, Liz oh, yeah. Frank injury yeah. and there was no info whatsoever on his return to play time. And then I think it came out that he was going to be in, back in eight weeks and I just basically called BS and <laughs> he ended up in like four or five months and it was like bang on what we'd said. So it, it's, it is fun getting to put that stuff up, but I think that 
I'm just a bit time poor to do it as mm. as uh, on the yeah, spot as the NRL physio does, but he's he's definitely got a good thing. I yeah, um, the market there because he's not interested in rugby. I've asked. Yeah, that's him right. Before, and he's like, nah. nah. <laughs> um, look, the only other question I had for you before we get into the games was you obviously get some good insight from some good teams. Actually, you know, awesome insight from a lot of the Super Rugby teams in Australia. Who are the teams that we still need to tap into a little bit more to try and get a better line of information out of them? Uh, it's probably easy to say it's Force and the Rebels, just because, I mean, the Rebels are in a market where, like, respectfully, no one cares about them. Um, and I, I, I don't say that to be rude, like, I work for Nine News and I can look at Melbourne News for Nine and they rarely, if ever, cover the Rebels. Like even, I'm even like a 20-second report on the result. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they probably, and they probably knowing football teams the way I do, probably happy to be out of sight, out of mind. And then the fourth, just because they're so far away on the other side of the country. I know we have social media now and it makes mm. porters um, irrelevant and that sort of thing, but they're just, they're just so far away that um, they probably just, at least on the Eastern Seaboard, they get forgotten about a little bit. So they're probably two that um, there just needs to be more talking points, uh, more communication, more insight on and that sort of thing. And that's kind of, you know, on me and, and people like me to um, try and get that as well. It, uh, it does seem like it's a, like a self-propagating thing though, right? Like they start giving out some interaction and information and then fans pick up on it and it means that fans interact more. Then you get fans that are a bit more diehard because they're having more back and forth with the club and more information. Like yeah. I, I can only imagine that if they want to become more relevant, that trying to engage and have information out there and getting people to have a feeling of being, you know, almost behind the scenes and knowing what's going on, like it's going to get people more interested in the side. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I do. Um Sporting teams are probably notoriously pretty um, close guarded on so many things. And like so much of it is not necessary. Mm. Um, I just know that's the archaic way that things have always been done. Um, and that's sort of the reaction I get sometimes when I reveal things like injuries or team selections, you know, like they get kind of their noses out of joint. And I just try and say to them, like, I'm not doing this to hurt anyone's feelings. Like if, if I release something, 12 yeah. hours earlier or 24 hours earlier people talk about it online however yeah. much they want to talk about it and then you get a second bite of the cherry by actually confirming yeah. it or doing your own thing I, I do wonder sometimes that they're they're playing cat and mouse a little bit like the perfect example is Noel Lucio for the Brumbies they said to him oh he'll be right for the next week because he sprained his ankle it must be the lowest of sprained ankles to be back that next week he's still not back this week so no, there's yeah. something something's come out about that actually this week him saying I don't know. I think I've got notes written down there for the the Brumbies preview, but he he thought he could have been right basically for this week, and now he's back apparently after the bye next week. Yeah, so I mean it's it's black and white, mate. You know what a four week ankle looks like compared to a one week ankle. Yeah. So they've joshed a bit yeah. there because of the fact that I think that they it'll they uh, change the preparation for the team playing against them. So yeah. I guess that's the problem, right? They don't want the opposition knowing what's coming. Yeah, I think that's probably the mentality. But I think unless you're I feel like that only really works if you name someone and keep them in the team up until kickoff and then scratch them late, you know. But other than that, it's sort of like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's um, overestimated how much team that can affect someone else's preparation. Because when you, when you talk to most teams, they spend a little bit of time, and that's the honest truth. Like most people go, oh, we don't really look at others, we just look at ourselves or something like that. But everyone spends a little bit of time, but it's a little bit of time. It's not a lot of time. Yeah, 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 completely agree. 
Look, I think, well, let's jump straight into round seven, just our, a real brief review. We had the Rebels and the Force from the Aussie sides on the, the bye. We had the Hurricanes and Chiefs. Technically, they had a bye, but they were making up a game from early on in the year. Just quickly, kicked the, the weekend off. Super W was the Fijian Drua beating the Waratahs. Brilliant game to, to watch, unless you're a Waratahs fan. Um, they, they just had some uncharacteristic errors and, and the Fijian Drua just turned any little mistake into points. But the first Super Rugby game of the weekend was the Crusaders versus the Highlanders. Crusaders winning this one 17-14. I think a couple pivotal things from me because we, we won't dive too deep into it, but it was it was really interesting to see and to hear that Aaron Smith ended up defending. This is, you know, deep into their own half, into their own 22, I'm pretty sure it was, off a set piece between the centres, something you don't normally see the halfback filling into that sort of that, that area. And David Havili figured it out, caught the ball wide to be the first receiver. Little tip on to Fanga Nuku, who's 27 kilos, 26 kilos heavier, 17 centimetres taller to run straight through that gap and pretty much unimposed, unaffected, just runs straight through and scores that try. Really, really odd thing to see from Aaron Smith. But I know there's been a lot of talk about halfbacks trying to evolve their defensive systems and structures and things, but... That's that's got to be one that I think they can pass up moving forward. Yeah, well, you'd think it'd be um, more fruitful if you stay next to the scrum. Like, yeah. I get trying to um, improve your defence or that sort of thing, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a really odd one because you're not going to... If you've got a big guy coming at you just off the back of the scrum, you've got a it's six cover. and an eight there, seven and eight who can break off and help you as well. Um, Aaron Smith's a pretty good defender, but yeah, I'd love to know. I'd love to ask, hear what the coach said about why they did that. It was definitely an odd one, but I mean, like TJ Perinara, I think defends and shoots out, and I mean he did that. We'll touch on that a little bit later in, in that matchup, but um, Fafta Clerk, other players like that are, are trying to change how they're defending. But this one just was a bit of a baffling one to me. They're still not going to yeah. be the player to put a big. Ball, no. ball carrier it's behind fine. the ad line, though. Like, it's just a no. misguided. So, maybe maybe so it was a on. system breakdown, to be honest. I mean, it? isn't like the whole term of a halfback is like they, they kind of play like halfway between there and fullback. Like, that's yeah. traditionally where it comes from. So, like, their job is from either the ruck or so my wife just like ducked down and walked around the line. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, they, they play from ruck or scrum or whatever set piece it is <laughs> and their ability to drop back there. And in, in this instance, he's literally half the size of the back that's running at him. So yeah. <laughs> it's probably oh, that's where it comes from. That's yeah, right. that's it. But the only other things in this one was obviously the shallow clean uh, red card, which was reckless, fair. But I was baffled by um, after Hunt missed his penalty goal to level the scores, they decided they weren't going to take a penalty in a kickable situation and he ended up kicking it dead. Absolutely baffling to me. But the, the Crusaders got the win here. Um, the, the following match was the Fijian Drua against the Waratahs. Did you watch this one? 14 to 38, Tars win? I watched bits of it. I didn't watch it in full, um, but that's the beauty of Stan Sport is that you can go back and watch a variety of different um, highlight packages. It's actually really cool because if you've got like four minutes, you can watch like the literally so just like the tries and then you can yeah. watch the one that's like 25 minutes long, which is it gives you enough of like more than just tries and penalties um, kicked and that sort of thing. So I did. I loved... Um, I'm a big fan of Kane Edmed. Hey, really, like the couple of times I've seen him start, 
um, the last couple of weeks and obviously got a really good look at him uh, uh, playing against the Reds. Oh, geez. Like, I know they've got... Yeah, they've got Donaldson and Harrison as well. They're real, real threats. But uh, I think we've got a bit of a technical difficulty here with with Atco. But look, I, I think one of the other things out of this Tars game, and it, it really just is true for for Andrua and where they're at at the moment. They had sixteen penalties against them in in this matchup, which I mean is just a really hard one to to get a win out of. They also had, I mean, on average throughout the year, they've had seventeen turnovers. So the the fast pace, flinging the ball around can work for them. And, I mean, it's their their DNA. But when you're turning the ball over so much and you're indisciplined, you're, you're just not going to be able to win a game like this one. Yeah, and obviously the other big point is just Hooper back off the off the bench, gets a short ball from Edmed and scores a try almost immediately. And uh, what a way to get back into the game and then just making his normal bulk tackles and kind of lifting the team. The Tars are awesome in this one, and I think a lot of it was the senior leadership. Or I, I put it down to that from having mm. someone like Cooper back. Yeah, massive, massive in at any point. So, um, look, the, the following match after this one was the Blues-Moana Pacifica. Um, the, the interesting thing at this one, Moana Pacifica had a lot of the possession. I think they had 65% of the possession. I think it was larger in the second half than it was in the first half. Um, but they couldn't really manage to get through that um, defensive line and actually convert that into points. So there were tackle busts, but the Blues scrambled well there. You know, there was opportunities there, but they just really couldn't convert it. Um, for them, you know, set pieces let them down as as well. They think I think they won five out of eight lineouts, ten out of twelve scrums, which isn't horrible. But the Blues won all their scrums, only lost lost one lineout. Um, it was good to see Nigel Arwong, you know, ex Brumby and Reds player. I'm pretty sure um, he came in for Moana late to play thirteen. Yeah, but I think you know, you, you mentioned Nigel Arwong. He's the perfect example of the actual problem. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. But they just had so much yeah. disruption. It is impossible to compete with these great New Zealand sides when yeah. you've only played half the games of the side this year, you're a brand new side, and then you have to change your team at the last minute. Yeah, it's hard. Look, I mean, the, the one positive for me was Tavatavanawai was oh, awesome to see. He, I think he's like 10 kilos heavier than I thought he was. He's, he's like 111. Big unit, eight tackle busts too. Yeah. So I hope they just start him every week. Hopefully that's oh, the... the Beginning of uh, the form New Zealand winger. <laughs> yeah, in the Moana side, that's what you want to say. Yeah. But, I mean, Heem, again, shifting this time to 13, Mr. Fix-It for, for the Blues. But yeah. Eklund gets a hat-trick as well. But, look, the other big talking point from this one was clearly Caleb Clark's red card. And uh, how crazy is it to see Caleb Clark jumping for a high kick, probably too early if we're being completely honest, but then he goes to brace himself from the, the the jump and then just happens to accidentally collect. Uh, I can't remember who it was that put the kick through, the, the winger, um, the winger that went off for an HIA after. But he jumps up to make a charge down and then he managed to sort of hit his knee into the, the winger's head yeah. and then gets done for a red card. Like, how can you possibly ask him to do anything once he's in the air? Is, is it less reckless if Caleb Clark can't jump as high, so Look, can't I, get his knee that high? I think the the simple thing out of this, and we're probably going to come back to it at other points throughout this this pod, but they're clearly saying if you hit someone in the head, it's a red card and we mitigate down. So you didn't jump. Did, did Clark have to jump there? Is it reckless? Was yeah, he, was, it was reckless. Did, did he actually get close to touching the ball? No, he didn't. But he's trying to charge it down. So what? It, he, the situation the situation is at the moment that they're punishing you for hitting someone. This is ridiculous, head. mate. This, this is ridiculous. He did said jumps to charge a ball down. 
how can that be deemed reckless? So you're saying that it's reckless to jump to charge a ball down from at the moment if you miss, but if moment, you make it, it's not reckless. At the no, if you hit them in the head, if you're putting yourself in a position where you can hit another player in the head, how many out of their away, control? How many meters away was he from the winger when he decided to jump? But look, I, I don't, this is this is all semantics. It's ridiculous, Re- real, realistically, realistically, I, wanna... I, I don't agree that it should be red, but the way it's getting ruled That's is ridiculous. that is definitely a red. Card. All right. Hashtag Echo knows. Is this the future of charge downs or not? Is this the future Uh, of charge downs? I hope not. I'm I'm with you, Harry. I think it's ridiculous. He has his hearing tonight. Hopefully he gets cleared and then Nelson looks like an absolute mother for thinking that this is the right thing here. I I don't think it's the right thing. I'm saying I think it's what they're doing now. If you hit someone in the head, they're they're looking for mitigating factors. What about if I punt a ball and the charger, I kick the ball into his head? Is that an eight, is that a head contact? Because I've kicked the ball into his red, head. Red card, silly, because you didn't touch him. <laughs> oh no, no, I punted the ball at him, mate. There's intent. That's reckless. Red card. Yeah, I think you're, you're taking a dive into Matt, I think weird, weird um, But yeah, so re- ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's really ridiculous, but that's where we're at in rugby at the moment. But let's jump across into the Reds Brumbies. Akko, you're going to be happy about this one. A 21 to seven win, mate. We know you said you're not biased, but we know you're. you're <laughs> you got to be a little bit. You got to be a little no, bit. No, I said I try. I try not to be biased. <laughs> yeah. Was was what were the big talking points? Do you have a big talking point out of this one? Um, I think something that's been lost a little bit in the excitement over Jordan Pattaya's performance um, and, you know, like all the emotion around Filippo Dalgunu, that sort of thing, um, and probably Taniella being his destructive self, is the forward pack as a whole just dominated what is um, what has been probably the most dominant forward pack in Australian rugby for the last few years. And they did it for 20 minutes without with a man down. Um, and like you know, if you even look at an individual level, um, Harry Hooper had a pretty good night out against Alan Alatoa. And I had an interesting chat to um, Hooper afterwards. and said, you know, you played really well, mate. Congratulations. And he was like, I, I don't really have an issue with Alan. I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight. But he's like, I've always really enjoyed scrummaging against him. He's not like yeah. really that fearful. And I think that actually comes from the fact that He's played like 40 Super Rugby games, Hooper has, and about 30 of them are off the bench. Yeah. So he's actually spent most of his weeks preparing for games, scrumming directly opposite Taniella. Like, what a platform, <laughs> you know? So to take on Alan Alatoa, he was probably the best best guy to do that because he spent so much time scrummaging directly opposite Thor. Yeah. Um, but even, you know, some of the unheralded guys like, um, Blythe and Smith, they don't make a lot of carries or big runs or huge hits, but they do a lot of stuff that locks are actually spokes to do and they hit a lot of rucks effectively. Yeah. Um, and they were pretty instrumental in shutting down the Brumbies Mall, which is usually like a guaranteed try for them when they go five metres out. And I think Queensland repelled them at every mall on the weekend. Um, so, you know, that's a pretty big, um, that's a pretty big tip of the hat. Um, against the Brumbies. I think um, the the Brumbies more, I think, is is losing a bit of power, I guess, because of the fact that the Wallabies players are all learning the same system. So they're probably learning how to defend it. That seems to be my suspicion anyway. Yeah, it's not a bad bad shout, actually, with McKellar being up there in the Wallabies. Um, Yeah, for sure. Well, look, I... I think after the Brumbies getting the win, this is this is a good thing. I think the outcome here. Both teams had a little bit of adversity overcome. Liam Wright pulling out with an ankle ankle injury. I think 
Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Pre-game. How, yeah, how serious does that look? Because I heard um, a bit like what we were discussing before, like trying to get information is is a bit yeah. tough. Uh, I was told today that maybe a little bit more serious than like Tates and Lucans and Serus, yeah. which were all four to six weeks. I think even Seru there hopefully might be back for the Rebels game, which would only be three weeks. Yeah. Um, but they wouldn't say any more. So judging by Liam's reaction. Um, I'd say it's probably longer than that because he was pretty gutted and he, he seemed to be he seemed to know straight away that he was in trouble. Yeah, he's he's just had such a, a bad run. I really really feel for the guy. Um I that, made him co-captain. Yeah, no. Because last that, year you got made co-captain with O'Connor and um and he was done up. he did like ten weeks or whatever it was, ankle, I think. He's, yeah, he's been very, very unlucky. The other one was uh NASA as well. Mm. They said long term peck. I assume that means he's ruptured his peck and he's having surgery. Um, yeah, I think I was actually just talking to him before we came on, just um, message because uh, he put something up on Instagram about recovery season, and I messaged him and said, you know, tough luck because I actually thought he'd been playing really well the last yeah. few weeks. Yeah. Um, and he said he was hopeful of being back to some club rugby in a few months' time. So, yeah, Harry, you'd have a better idea than me. That sounds pretty long term. But it was really innocuous. Like I saw him go down early in the game, but it looked like he had a stinger or something. He was sort of holding. And it may, I haven't looked to see if it's the same side. Yeah. But even when he came off, it wasn't really made a big deal about. He sat on the bench and they put some ice on that area. Um, but, yeah, it looks like it's pretty serious. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame. How do the Reds cover the hooker position now? They've lost a couple of top-line players. Is it Asiata? That's yeah, been- well, I mean, yeah, I think Asiata starts because he was he was probably ahead of Nasser at the beginning of the year yeah. even, to be honest. Um uh, so I'd say he probably starts, and then they got um, Matt Fassler, who who will play on the bench, and he's obviously um, got a fair bit of experience in the last few weeks um, getting his crack while Marthy's been out. So, ironically, um, beginning before the season started, I would have said that Hooker was probably their weakest position because I felt like if they lost Marthy, they were in big trouble. Yeah. Um, but the guys that have stepped up in Marthy's absence um, and Richie Asliata's absence while he was away. Uh, done a pretty good job. So for Richie to be back now, it's probably fortunate timing. And yeah. I think you can lean on Fazla. I think he, I think Matt Fazla is actually a pretty, pretty solid player. Yep. He was he was at Randwick, I think, in the off-season, pre-season. Like, he went to Sydney to play at Randwick, and then the Reds needed him. He got really short, so he came back. Well, he's um, you're obviously going to get better in Sydney, so that's a good decision for him. Um, look, I, I think... We, 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 it was a controversial card in the last game. Let's not jump into these ones because the Valentini and Cam Clark ones should not really be what they were in my eyes. Mm. They should have been a, a lot lower, if not nothing, for the Cam Clark one. Um, but the, how good is seeing Hunter Paisami just going hunting again? Absolutely <laughs> creaming white, the, the poor guy. Um, yeah. But I, I think the interesting thing about Hunter Paisami is that he's evolved that defence. So we, we're seeing it every week now. But we'd seen yeah. it for a couple of years, but he doesn't seem to get caught out of position. He doesn't seem to, you know, shoot out of the line at the wrong time anymore. Al- he's also not hitting them high. Like he's generally yeah. bent yeah. at the hips and making dominant tackles that are yeah. very safe as well. Yeah. So it helps that he's five foot nine too, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, but you're right. And I've seen a few people put up the highlights, share highlights of his hit on White saying, you know, he's, he's an advocate for um, big tackles can be made legally. And yeah, there's some truth to that argument. And like, <laughs> hey, we'll be here forever. But like, so much of rugby is situational, and things happen last second. And I know that's why they have mitigating factors and stuff like that. 
but focus just on Hunter. He has really cleaned up his defense. He's the best um, shootout defender in Super Rugby because so many people try that, but how many people miss the mark and the pass still gets thrown or the player gets away or skips away or something like that. Like you rarely see Hunter shoot out of the line and miss the mark and then the other team capitalize on it. And he's smacking everyone. He's not just like whacking little blokes. Like I know he smacked Nick White on the weekend, but he has hit some, He's hit some big blokes as well, and he and they stay hit. It's genuinely one of the funnest things to watch in rugby is just Hunter creaming blokes and people not being able to whinge about a big hit as well. Yes, he had what what one of the tip tackles and things like that. I think it was was that him as well yeah. a few weeks back. Yeah, that was uh, um, yeah against the four. Just let him let him cream some people. Everyone loves to see it. It's going to happen yeah. more. Well, Harry, Harry Wilson was on. You worry about the head, but if you go low, you're worried about flipping them as well. So. Yeah, you also worry about the tackler's head if you go low. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd be interested to know the stats on um how many people get concussed as the tackler head on the hit. I reckon it'd be higher. It's the highest. It's, it's higher than yeah. it's the tackler yeah. is higher than it's the, the highest. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. Higher. And so there's a lot of like rugby around cards and stuff now, like protecting player welfare and protecting players from themselves, so to speak. Like, are we going to get to a point where we start protecting players who are making tackles from themselves? You wouldn't. You'd red card them, wouldn't you? Mate, I mean, they probably they probably would. Um, look, the the final game for the weekend here was the Hurricanes going down to the Chiefs. It was a makeup game from round five, but it's great to see a sunny Sunday game and, and some crowds back in New Zealand. It was a free flowing, exciting game for the most part. A little bit, a little bit quiet in the the middle section of of the game here, but um, this is a good one to watch. Harry, what's what was your thoughts on this? Is Geordie Barrett a twelve? Well, I only watched that 26-minute highlight of it. And I, to be honest, he wasn't involved in a lot of the highlights. I saw good things on Twitter that everyone was pretty positive about it, but I didn't get a fantastic read on it from that. I think it's an awesome option, but, yeah, I probably can't comment on this game alone, to be honest. I was just enjoying the uh, TJ Perinara and Artie Sevilla highlights. Oh, yeah. First Perinara just picking off a try within what, was it like 45 seconds or something? It was it was two big cutouts and because uh, the yeah, Chiefs was... wanted to throw the ball around, he goes, yeah, I see this coming and picked it a mile away. Yeah. And then the, the that Artie Sevilla try is just one of the best boss moments I think that's happened yeah. in rugby. Everyone else is just trying to figure out what's going on. He goes, no, I'm just going to take it myself. And decides and to often, how it. often do you see someone take a tap from there when like three points are guaranteed and, and they stuff it up? Um, yeah. I think Tate, Tate might have done it last week against the Tars, um, which is funny because at the beginning of the season when he got made captain, I was like, are you going to have to curb that in you? And he was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, no, Artie just went, no, I'll take it, thanks, and carried like six guys across the line. Yeah, when you when you're captain, you get to make that decision. <laughs> I think that's yeah, you make it down, yeah, but you know, particularly when you're already today, you're gonna score every time. <laughs> yeah, but this this was a, a pretty good one at, in parts. But oh, the other other person I wanted to talk about was Josh Shivani. How good he was! Oh yeah, he just runs the ball so aggressively at the line. I just love watching him play. I just yeah. want him to play every single week. Injured now. Yeah, I know rib. Yeah. yeah, so a bit of a bummer coming off in that 58th minute. But look, because this is also a fantasy footy podcast, we chat about a little bit about some of the players that did well. Kurt Eklund with his three tries was the, the fantasy man of the week, 82 points, which is huge. I think that makes him the top player in the comp. Quite potentially. He, he had three tries, eight runs for 14 metres, which isn't big, but two offloads. He made six tackles, 12 lineouts, one. So he had a pretty good game, but obviously helped up by those 
three tries. They're worth 15 points each at Co. So that's that's 45 points in themselves. Uh, in itself, we had Vinaya Hambossi with 59, Dave Parecki with 58, Fletcher Newell with 57. He had a real good crack. Um, Harry, do you want to take us through the rest of them? Uh, yeah, super sub. So the top scoring player off the bench was uh, Rossiate Nasove. 39 points in 27 minutes, which is freaking ridiculous. Four runs, a try, 24 metres, a line break, three tackle busts, a turnover, and two tackles as well. And then you might like this because he <laughs> left the Reds. The Captain Mud Award because he was the worst fantasy player in the world. Uh, biggest dud, Rob Simmons. Um, he left the Reds. This is the second podcast I've been on in, in a week that's bagged Rob Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> Frank was a fantastic bloke. He played over 100 games for us. No, this is the truth about fantasy footy. You don't have to be a good football player. Being a hog is great. But doing the work that no one sees doesn't make you a good fantasy footy player. Darren Lockyer. Darren Lockyer, horrible fantasy footy player, NRL. Exactly. One of the greats. Look, he he played 100 games for a reason. So, (laughs) yeah, credit to him. Uh, Frank Lamani, though, gets the Captain Mud Award, minus 19 points. And then there were so many red guards, which means there were a lot of negatives. Tualima, minus 18. Nangusa, 17. Charles Klein, 15. And there were seven other players in the negatives as well. So just wow. just shows like the red cards, yellow cards, just ruining tearing players. Teams, tearing teams apart. If you had a couple of those, there's no way you get I feel like I feel like if you're in the Reds team and you get red carded, you should earn points for that because they play so much better when they go up and down. Potentially, I like that. It's, it's actually, <laughs> you're actually, you're yeah, actually yeah. helping your team. Yeah. Hey, um, have you ever played any fantasy footy or anything like that, Echo? Um, I've only done it for NRL um, and usually through through work. I always love it at the beginning of the season, then it gets like round 12 and I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, it's because you're doing it for the NRL. Wash your mouth out. See, um, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, we, we, we verse each other head-to-head matchups, and if you own Taniel Tupo, no one else does, but you can trade him and all this stuff. So you get oh, real yeah. invested in your players, which is, is really, really cool. Um, would you ever trade him? You wouldn't trade him, would you? He, did, he got traded two weeks ago before he had that blinder and scored his try and everything. Yeah. He'd been wow. quite as on the fantasy front. He scored like 59 points, and I think his highest was 20 before that. So. The guy who traded him is pretty right. average, he's so pretty, that's fair yeah, enough. He's, he's horrendous. Um, you can't get points for scrummaging well, can you? Uh, you, you do, do. Yeah, yeah, you do. You actually get, so like, like, I think you get like four points for a tight head or something and a line breaks worth five. So they're, they're yeah, pretty, okay. pretty highly sought after. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And they get a point for a win of every scrum, that sort of thing as well. But look, let's jump into round eight, round eight of super rugby. This is our main course. Uh, the first matchup of the weekend uh, is the Highlanders versus Moana Pacifica. Uh, that's on Friday night. In terms of new injuries, we've got Highlanders. I think um, James Lynch's was injured, but he has looked like he's been named as far as I know. Ainsley, yeah. but he's been named. Joshuani, he's out for this week after his rib knock. For Moana, Henry Stowers, we're not, I'm not sure what the injury is, but he's been listed as unavailable due to injury, which is huge for them. Michael Curry, which is less huge for them, has COVID. Um, Enzelo Tuitavuki. Uh, Tavuku has COVID and Alessio has an HIA uh, who is out this week. In terms of the returns column, we just said it. James Lynches, Sam Slade after his concussion and Manu Paya who was pulled pre-game last week and we think that was from COVID but we're not confirmed. 
Uh, have you seen much of the? I know you say you're more an Australian Super Rugby fan, but have you seen any of the Moana Pacifica games, Zacho? Um, I'm a fan of all. I just the Kiwis often are played at like four thirty, five thirty, and yeah. Fridays and Saturdays I'm um yeah. getting last things ready for for news. Um, because like in the terms of rugby, there's probably nothing better than watching New Zealand Super Rugby sides play. Like they're just incredible. Um, I've watched little bits of Moana. Uh, I'm I'm pumped about how much they've improved because at the beginning I was probably a bit worried that um, they're just going to get thrashed and their inclusion was going to be seen as a massive negative, which it's not. Like having them and, and Drew in the competition is awesome. Um, but I thought if they're going to get flogged every week, it just it'd get a bit of a drag and people would just look at it as a negative. So I've been really impressed by their. Um, improvements but i probably haven't watched enough of their games in full i watched the yeah. one they won and i'm still blown away by how they won that that was yeah so incredible good. like just the play itself even like that's like backyard footy you sort of like script that yourself to pull that off um so yeah i hope they keep going up because uh them being strong and playing an attractive brand of footy and same with the Druids is going to be awesome for the competition Definitely. It's going to be very interesting when they come over and play the Aussie size because it's, it's yeah. by far against the Kiwis as well. But, I mean, they're playing the Highlanders this week who they actually have one more win than the Highlanders. So they're <laughs> yeah. above them yeah. on the table, which is pretty absurd. I don't know and, that I can say that they're the favourites. And Major was coaching at the Highlanders. And Before this one. Now yeah. he's coaching with Moana. So, yeah, bit extra heat there. Bit but, of feeling there, yeah. Yeah, look, I, and I, I think he's come out saying he, he thinks they are a good chance this week as well, which, I mean, is showing his intent that they're really going to be aiming up for this one. But I, I think in previous weeks, when you kind of watch a lot of their footy, they, they show how physical they are and they can be really good in, in parts. But, you know, doing that over long periods, you know, for an entire 80 minutes and then three games in, in eight days or whatever it is, and they're doing that uh, yeah. again, you know, that's a, a real difficult thing. They've used something like it was a ridiculous amount of players, 45 players or something like that, I'm pretty sure, um, which yeah. is just so hard to to stick and use those systems and and have all that stuff gelling. But they have been so physical, and that's been a big part of their, their footy. This centre pairing of Tuala and Amua is back, um, and that is just brutal, exciting, everything you want to see in a centre partnership. And I think for them, it's a real strength coming up against the Highlanders, um, with Scott Gregory and Fatuli Pyre. Um, so hopefully they really use that centre channel and, and look to run over and confuse Pyre, which I don't think is that complicated. And Scott Gregory got run over. No, look, I mean, at the moment, he's he seems relatively slow in his defensive reads. And, and I think Scott Gregory was the same last week with that um, Fanganuku try. He just didn't really react very well. So I, I think it is weak for them. I don't think they're out-and-out, smart, centre, defensive players. So I think it's a, it's a real strength for, for Moana. They're back one. Levi, uh, I was just going to say, Al, Al Moore, is a, um, he's a pretty good story. Um, there's a little humble brag here. I actually played club rugby with him in Brizzy. Um, he could be playing for us. Maybe, yeah. Um, oh, geez, that would have been like nine years ago, maybe eight years ago, I reckon. Yep. Um, like he was only... I don't know exactly, but maybe like 19. And yep. he didn't want to play Colts. He wanted to play up. And so he played a bit of second grade me. And they saw him as like a six or eight. And he wanted to be a center. And they gave him a couple of cracks. But they just wanted him to be a six or eight. Because I think that's what he was coming out of school. 
And I think like it's a long story, but I think he went to another club and he's just toiled away. He went to like France for a bit. Uh, he might have spent time in Japan. He's played some more club rugby here in Brizzy, and he's just like he's just. I think he's just always been like I want to be a footballer, and he's just grinded away, and he's doing really well. And he's a fearsome bloke, like on both sides of the ball. I mean, on the football field, my recollection of him really quiet, humble fella off the field. But you get him on the football field, both sides of the ball, like he's genuine, damaging player. It's, it's really good to see him there and playing consistently. It's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's a player that we love to watch, and he, he's great for fantasy footy, just running over people, you know, making yeah. line breaks, everything like that. Look, I, I think a big thing for Moana, one of the most pivotal players for them so far this year has been Stowers, Henry Stowers, also obviously spent some time over in Australia. Um, he's just such a significant loss for them. Their, their back row um, three there has been good throughout this year. They've got Matunga coming in, Fanaki at, at six. Uh, and then they've brought in for now as their their number eight option. But losing him is such a, a huge thing, and it's really going to weaken them in defence and close to the the rucks. Uh, I think with ball in hand because he's been devastating there. We've got Anari and Lili Afano um, in the the nine ten again. Um, major sticking with them. I think they've been controlling that side relatively well. We know there's got a few options there, but most exciting is Tavatava Nawai on one wing and Fainga Anuku on the other wing. They are just two barnstorming, damaging wingers. So with that centre pairing and then those two outside them, I, I think if things click for them um, over a good 80 minutes, they, they could be a real crack at this game. Yeah, and the, the flip side of that is Andrew, Ma- Andrew Macaleo, the human bowling ball. <laughs> yeah. He's got to be good for at least one rolling ball try as well. So it's just got to be a high-scoring game. I think it should be very entertaining watching. Uh, Nelson, I won't throw Echo under the bus. What's your tip? Who are you going to go for? Who are you going to bat? Look, I really want to say, um, I really want to say Moana. I, I think it might be a tough ask after the you know the last week and. And what's been happening with them, a lot of chopping and changing. I think it's going to be really, really close. But again, Highlanders are, are similar. I think they've been close or close enough to some of these top teams. If things click for them, they're going to get the wins. So I'm going to I'm going to back the Highlanders. Um, they create opportunities. They did it against the Crusaders. Akko doesn't isn't keen, but I think they'll they'll click and they'll turn those opportunities into points, and they're going to win this one by a smidge. Where's the romance in you? Nelson, where's the romance, mate? Go, Man, I, I go, love the romance. Go Moana. <laughs> I, I go want Moana. Moana to win, but I, I also How want to win my tipping. How many are you going? Uh, <laughs> by three. By three. Okay, then. What, what do you got for us? I'm going Moana by five. I like it. Beautiful. I'm going to go the Harmonas by 12. Where's <laughs> The Western Force versus the Rebels. Another Friday night game for this one. Both teams coming off the bye last week. Um, so obviously no new injuries. We have a few of the Rebels players that are potentially around. Nelson, you've had a better look at this than me. How many of these guys are back? You had Lockie Anderson that was there or thereabouts. He's not back in the side. So I thought this... he was back from his groin. So maybe he's just not been selected at this stage. Uh, look, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't Akko might know a little bit more detail there, but I, it I told you the way AV my un, undoing. Yeah, the, <laughs> well, you did. You did tell us that the rebels were hard to get info out of, but there's not a lot of changes for the rebels. I think they've got um, Gibbon instead of Or. Um, I think Ulysses did. Did he start last week? Am I imagining him? I missed a, a few weeks back. Um, no, they still got Josh Cannon. Yeah, Josh Cannon yeah. in the in the lock. Cannon's coming back. He's the one coming back from concussion. But they were meant to have Lockie Anderson, Tamari Yuani. Right, Ross Haylett, Petty, and Gerald Skelton all None back for this week, and then none of them are back. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, I think um, the return of Kellaway. Yep. Like, I mean, he's been back a couple of weeks, hasn't he now? Um, that probably hinders Anderson a bit. I know they're big fans of Glenn Vi, who... He's um, been good. Yeah, yeah he's, and he's got sharp feet. Like, he's, yeah. he's got some really, really good feet. So, I think what that team needs more than anything else is a bit of consistency in their selections. Like, it's yeah, been affected by a few different things, like form, injuries, COVID, that sort of stuff. But um, they have chopped and changed a little bit. So, they're definitely, you know. yeah, there's been a, a people coming in and out. A, a few people stepped up, like Kabus Ilof has been such a solid you know, player for them this year without Pone being there. Um, yeah. They've got lots of back rows, Wilkin, Hardwick, getting getting time and mixing up with a few of the other players there as well. But I, I think it, it comes down to, again, they've got some weapons or, or some attacking weapons in, in that back line. But unless things are clicking from that 9-10 out, they don't yeah. seem to get that many opportunities. And, and Kellaway is such a, a lethal winger, but he just on the wing for the Rebels, He's almost absent, and it's because the ball doesn't get to him in those right opportunities. So I really yeah. hope he goes looking for the ball a little bit more than, than in previous weeks. I actually, putting my coach's hat on, I would actually, um, if, they're not, if they're not intent on playing Carter Gordon at 10, which I would do. So would we. But if they're not intent on doing that, they should put Kellaway at 15, Hodge at 10, and Tamur at 12. Yeah, because I think Tamu is not a ten anymore. I think early in his career he was a ten. I don't think he's a ten anymore. I think Reese Hodge is actually a really underrated ten. Like when he's played ten for the Wallabies, they've yeah. been really good. Uh, he wouldn't be my first pick for Australia for ten, but I think the Rebels could do well to play him at ten, Tamu at twelve. Yeah. Then they've got some seniority, some leadership in close to the action, calling plays, and that sort of thing, um, and that'll help. You know, guide. Well, James Tuttle's been around a while. He's a reasonably um, experienced player. But some of those other backs are pretty young um, and pretty inexperienced. So if they're not going to play Carter at 10, which, again, I'd do, I think they'd be better off doing that. And that way you get Kellaway at 15 um, and he can inject himself more. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind. We've, we've talked similar things. Like, realistically, if Carter Gordon's your future, give Carter Gordon some time because you're not winning now. So at least you're building yeah. him for the future. I mean, sticking Tamua there where he's not really floating uh, at a position that he's not really adapted to anymore, I'd, I don't think it does him any positives either. So uh, yeah. I just don't think it's working. And that's the only thing they're picking and consistent with. I mean, the, the flip side of that argument is then you lose Ray Nuu at inside centre, who I, I obviously... Yeah, put yeah, Nuu at 13. But he's not a 13, mate. He's, he's been doing well at 12 as well. So you can't develop both of them and have Matt Tamura on the park. So I, I'm with you. I mean, I think we've said many times on this this uh, podcast that we'd be Carter Gordon as well. I mean, my, my worry about the Rebels is their forward back just has zero punch. Like, how do you get over the ad line? Who's doing it? Because Ulysses doesn't run. Given doesn't run. Elof probably does. Philip hasn't. He needs to run more. Like, and then yeah, a bro- bunch of sevens. Yeah. Like, who's your, who's your gain line player? Yeah, they yeah. need they need Yuani back. Without um yeah, without Yuani, they really lack a lot of punch. And I think they're pretty aware of that too. Um but it also looks like they don't have I feel like a lot of their back line is filled with either um old guys. Yeah. Because Matt Tamua has been one of my favorite players for a long time. He's yeah, not at his peak anymore. And I think Reece Hodge is um criminally uh hung out to dry way too often. Um, but then a lot of the other young guys are like flashy, quick on their feet sort of sort of guys. They don't have anyone that like um, can just absolutely bend a line or run really well at a hole and 
and yep. sort of just at very least get over the advantage line. You know, it's like when you take um, Hunter out of the Reds team, you lose a little bit of the punch in that back line. You can still bring in a talented youngster like Fluke to 13 or whatever, but you just lose a little bit of the oomph. Yeah. Speaking of the Reds team, uh, Andrew Reddy obviously went across the Western Force from the Reds. And speaking of Red, he loves a red card. He does. Um, he's yeah. starting this week. Maybe it's going to be 15 on 14. Maybe that's the way the Rebels have a chance to actually come back into this one. Yeah, I don't know if it works the same way for them. It does for the Reds. Um, but at least, at least after 20 minutes, you can bring on a Wallaby and Kaitu. I think Reddy is, um, and he's still young enough to make something. I think he's one of the great, um, oh, geez, this sounds really harsh. And if Andrew tunes in, I don't mean he himself is a disappointment, but his career has been a little yeah. bit of a disappointment. Like five years ago, Maybe six years ago when he was at the Reds, it was really exciting about him as a future. Like mm-hmm. He was awesome. He was keeping Saifa Ingra out of the starting side. And then they bring in Stephen Moore. And um, I- I'm relaying second, third-hand information here, so yeah. I could be wrong. But my information was that instead of being like, here's a challenge, uh, he kind of just threw the toys out of the cot and was like, well, you're bringing in the Wallaby captain and I've just played really well for you and like, I'm going to go back to the bench, which I don't think was actually their strategy. I think Styles is still the coach then. I think he probably wanted to put a little bit of a rocket up ready, but I think he still intended to like start ready more often than not and bring Squeak on for experience and have yeah. him around the it, group. I mean, it, it, it looked like that from outside, you know, those inner circles as well. really looked like Reddy had a lot of promise and that he just got frustrated and sort of faded into the abyss. And, and then we kind of hoped when he turned up at the force that that was the kick he was going to need. And and he's yeah. sort of been there behind Kaitu at the moment. And I, I honestly would just love to see him lift his game. We know he's got potential and and maybe having a start is, is something that he needs against the Rebels, which, you know, is is not the hardest team, you know, that he could be coming up against as a, in a starting role. So I, I really hope yeah. he kind of... Fires in this one. He reminds me of Jed Holloway. Jed Holloway was the same, just didn't quite seem 100% bought into wanting to make the most of his career despite his promise for many years. And now he's come back a bit more mature and has his head screwed on and he's absolutely killing it. So hopefully we'll see the same from Reddy at some point. But to round this game out, guys, you got Tim Anstey back at uh, blindside, so it's going to be good to see him getting more minutes. Rhys John Pastatoa as well starting this week. And uh, I, I just want to point out Manasa Mateli because I drafted him in this week. So he's <laughs> going to score about four tries. Yeah, probably fair. Do you reckon he's been as good as people were predicting? I reckon he's better. Yeah, because I, I thought he was going to get, I thought he was that good at the Crusaders, but I thought he was going to struggle to make that impact for the Western Force. But I think he's managed very, very well. His stats are out of the, you know, top of the top of the wingers easily, in my opinion, for the, uh, up with Humbossi. He's probably the only other one that's been, Comparable, he's been so damaging. Statistically, like when you're looking at runs, run meters, line breaks, tackle busts, all of that sort of stuff, he is right up there. And and we, I think we both thought it that going to the force, it would really mute him a lot. But like if we, if we look at, you know, again, it's all about those running moments and, and running plays. But he is second outside back behind Humbossi, so he's above, you know, your Barretts, your Jordans. Yeah, your Clarks and Narrows, if we're talking off averages. So he does have those impacts. Um, yeah. And he just has to do more of it when, when yeah. he's, he's at the force. When you're at the Crusaders, you throw anyone in there on the back of that set piece, that play, you know, that back line, and they're going to score points. So he has to do a lot more of it himself here, I think. 
What do you got yeah. at Carry Force Rebels? Who are you backing? Mm, at home, Force. How possibly. much? Um, 12. Uh, look, I'll, I'm going to say Force by 15. Ooh. I'm going to say Force by five. I, just, I think they'll win, but I don't think they got that many points in them. Rebels have improved, but yeah, Force by 15. Hurricanes versus the Satyrs. So no new injuries from the Hurricanes makeup game, but you got obviously Sheila Klein, who's banned for three weeks from that head high shot. Yeah. Uh, returning, I don't think we, we don't have a Hurricanes lineup yet, but there are a few guys that were looking thereabouts. Dane Coles is the main one coming back from his calf injury. I assume that they'll probably just start him on the bench and give him more game time on. I think they've got a Tuesday game. Um, and Isaiah Walker-Leaware is probably is pr- probably pretty close as well. Played club footy last week to get some minutes under his belt. So he's a very exciting lock that we hope gets some game time off the bench this week, maybe a, a week too early for him. Last time they played, the Crusaders got up 42 to 32 in round one, but the Hurricanes scored two tries in the last six minutes to make the scoreline look a lot more respectable. I think it's pretty one-sided. Yeah, that's, that is, I think, something that's happening with the Hurricanes. They did it again last week. They they don't die out of the back end of a game. They really know how to score in those, you know, final five minutes, final ten minutes. Yeah, look at that win they had over the Blues. Yeah, that was amazing. Was that like round one or something like that? Like it was real early in the season. Round one was and their loss to the Crusaders. Um, and must have been round two because it was really yeah. early on. And like they yeah. looked dead. I remember like quick, I had Stan going while I was at work and I like looked at him and was like, oh, well, the Blues are going to get this win. And then I saw that final try and was like. We did the same. I think it was yeah, six yeah. minutes to go. We, we had all the, the uh, footy boys over here and oh, went and had yeah. a swim. I remember we jumped into the pool 12 points ahead or 19 points ahead or something. We came straight back out to grab a beer. I'm like, the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, they, yeah. They, don't, they don't die in the game, which is, is something that's that's great for them. But if they can stay in it, you know, and, and not let the game go away, get away from them, then they're always a crack. But this is going to be a real tough one for them. Without their lineup. Um, our question, my question is probably the centers. They've, they've used so many people in the centers. Geordie Barrett, obviously, last week as 12. Um, Holland was asked by the media, is he going to stay in the centers? Is he going to stay at 12? And he was just swatting away those questions and says he does what he's told. So, uh, we, Who, who's he? As in the coach in, getting no, told by the All Blacks? Holland, or as in the coach Barrett doing what he's told? Holland, by the Holland. coach said Barrett does what he's told. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was his, his response. But obviously, Last week they had Proctor there at 13 with him. They had a centre partnership against Moana when they lost, which is Walden and Peter Umanga Jensen. They've got Balen Sullivan, who's shown some hope there in the centres. Julian Sevilla at 12 as well. Julian Sevilla at 12. They need to pick some centres and give them time. If you had to pick two of those centres, from what you know, who would be no, your 12? No, no. Who would be at, at Kono's, who well, are Kono's? their first choice yeah, who, who is it? Um, Julian and Artie Sevilla. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, picked, goes them, so I just well. picked them both there. I didn't it play. <laughs> just let it happen. They'd be so good, just, wouldn't they? Like, because they'd have someone who could fill in for Artie for sure. You make him at 12, because I yes, think he got, he'd have better handling if he needed to handle than Julian. And then you've got the bus at 13 running over people. I like the idea of um, Geordie at 12, but I just don't know if New Zealand rugby needs him at 12. Like, I think he's better use at. Um, 15 or the wing, but anyway, we, yeah, we, that's we who actually, I picked the Savier brothers. It's very interesting to hear you say that. We actually said the, the opposite last week. We yeah. thought they have so many outside backs, particularly with Will Jordan at 15, 
Their yeah. first choice center, inside center last year was David Avili, who just doesn't have the size to make an impact against some of the bigger test nations. And we thought that was a real problem point for them, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I reckon. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they got Jack Goodhue, who's injured. Every, yeah. Done. Yeah, they've got who, – who else would you play there out of there? Like, it's not – And John Leonard Brown could maybe fill in at that, that Yeah, 12. but he's more a 13. He is. They've um, got a whole lot of 13s, yeah. not a whole lot of 12s at international level at the moment. He, yeah, I thought Harvey did um, – he did I well. thought he did okay. Um, the bloke who came off the bench, I'm just his name escapes me now. A couple of times last year, I thought he was quite good. Oh, just, just escaped me. I mean, you could play Jordy there, but I, I wouldn't. I know. I feel like it's a bit of a hit and hope putting him at 12 at Super Rugby and just hoping like he's an absolute standout there. I agree. Um, kind of like. I mean, this can sometimes be a hamstring for some people, but he's also like the ultimate um, utility. Yeah, he's yeah. a perfect 22 or 23 because he yeah. can fill so many spots. Yeah, the whole back line from, from 10 to yeah. 15. Pretty much, yeah. The um, the interesting one for me on the Crusader side of thing is the hooker. So with Sheila Klein gone, yeah. they actually don't have a second hooker in their whole spot. Yeah. So they're going to be... Because they're, they're missing Sheila Klein, but also McAllister's injured. Yeah, and they only yeah. named three in the original side. So they're going to be going into that player pool, I guess, or they've, they've brought someone in. No, they've brought someone in. They've brought in um, Ricky Jackson, who made his oh, debut nice. in 2019 for the Highlanders under similar circumstances because of a few injuries. Right. So he's he was in the Highlanders squad 2019 to 2021. But I don't, he's not – that might have been his only match or he might have had a couple matches off the, the bench. But, yeah, he's, he's been drafted in. Um, I mean, you can throw anyone in the Crusaders lineup, and as yeah. you know, other people will make them. It doesn't seem to affect them. They're like the <laughs> Melbourne Storm of the Super Rugby. Yeah, the systems are just so so strong and so solid. Um, other changes for them – I mean, they've kept Mule at tight head. He was, he was really, really good. He's an exciting young prop for them. Um, big boy in the back row. They've shifted Pablo um, in, Pablo Matero in. We've said he's going to, uh, Matero, sorry, not Matero. He's going to cover six, seven, eight where they need him. They're giving Christie a break. Blackhead is shifting to open side and they're keeping Cullen Grace at eight. That is a, a pretty... good um, even Blackadder. He's, oh, he's incredible. He's a yeah. After a few years of injuries and just really getting some game time together now, he's he's a a huge huge player for the All Blacks moving forward. He, he's awesome, yeah. but I don't understand this fascination with playing him at seven no, because they did it. it for the All Blacks as well. I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's, he can, I think he can do it at a pinch. Like he's not the yeah, first yeah. choice there. He can just fill in, and you know he'll do a job because he's got incredible work rate. I'd I'd probably not gonna lie, Chuck Pablo at open side yeah, and same. have Blackadder. You know, maintaining his role at six, but I mean, they know more than us, so that's we'll let that slide. Um, they, they also have Enor coming back into the starting side at 13. He's Filthy. been Filthy. Un- underwhelming in his chances, I think, this yeah. year for, for the Crusaders. He had one good game, one good game. Um, and Fanga Nuku, Lester Fanga Nuku, Harry's favorite fantasy player, yeah. the only hope in his team. Yeah. Um, going on to the pine, he will have an impact. I'd probably start him anyway. Um, but yeah, that's that's all the changes for the Crusaders. I, I don't know were there any else for the Hurricanes. I think we were also confused about who fills the wing spots. We've got Hooson, you've got Savia and Ray Arce who missed out um last week. And Morby. Yep. So the first three, <laughs> and if you're you're in a stretch, you got Morby, who you know had had some hope about him, but it will it'll be interesting to see this Hurricanes lineup. But look, Harry, I think you've got to start this one up. Who's going to win this one and by how much? Uh, Crusaders by 
eight points. Okay. Um, yeah, don't they have some like stupid record against the Hurricanes? They've only lost like one of their last four thousand or something like that. That's against um, everyone, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So there's a short period there where the Reds had the wood over them. I'm talking like two games. Um, Stars got a couple of yeah, but, hey, look, 2014 is all that matters. Yep. Um, I'm look, I'm going to say Crusaders. I'm going to say yeah. eight. Oh. I see what, what did you say? Eight. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I think you guys are miles off, and Crusaders are going to win by eight. I think, yeah. I think <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> no, look, I'll, I'll go, I'll go higher. I'll, I'll say 10, but All the right. Hurricanes stick in the game, but they're just not as good. So I'll say 10. Crusaders were 10. <laughs> All right. Saturday yeah. night, Chiefs versus the Blues, another Kiwi game. Uh, new injuries. you got Chiefs lost Joshuaano to a rib injury from a big tackle, and Lachlan McWannell um, had a concussion as well, so he won't be back. From the Blues, uh, Tom Robinson was pulled late with COVID last week, so we, we expect that. Source. I think it's been a big turnaround for time, so he could be back. Um, and I don't think they, I don't know that they're still on their 10-day stand-down. They might be down to a week now, so that, that could be a big telling thing to probably look at if you're a fantasy footy player. Bodie Barrett apparently completely fine, recovered from his concussion. Hoskins to Tutu, Rico Ioane last week just had an All Blacks rest week, which we didn't know existed this season, so they'll be back. And what the one that we don't have as much clarity on is Josh Goodhue, who has a concussion as well, so we don't know that he'll be back from the Blues' point of view. Also, uh, uh, did you mention Bodie Barrett? Yes, but because he's he's coming out himself and reckons he's he's good to go. He didn't really have many symptoms afterwards. So yeah, he's fine. That's, that's good to see. And on the Chiefs side of things, you got Tupo Vai and Siona Mafaleo last week were pulled with COVID as well, so they're expected to be back. And it could be Mitch Brown's first game of the year coming back from surgery, although we never found out what it was. Um, could be back apparently this week as well, so they've got a little bit more depth <clears> around <throat> that lock six option to go along with uh, Luke Jacobson also into the starting one. Again, we're we're flying. Blind with the lineup, so we just we always assume we know what's going on. You know, <laughs> Nelson knows, Harrow knows, and Echo <laughs> knows. So we'll just we'll take it all as gospel uh, here. The, the last time these two teams played was in round three. Blues got up twenty four twenty two. The week mm-hmm. after they they lost against the Canes. It would have been pretty burning after that one. But um, Bryn Gatlin had the chance to to win that one. Um, Generally, he finishes off games and, and is a clutch player. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, that game, if you saw it. It was Tom Robinson made oh, yeah. consecutive penalties back-to-back down the field, yeah. which gave them field position, and then the shot wide from goal from about 45 yeah. out. When, when he missed, Tom Robinson was celebrating like they won the tournament. Like, he was absolutely <laughs> ecstatic. Yeah, great, great to see. It probably saved him, like, some huge penalty at training during the week or end of the season. Yeah, it's, uh, it would have been a black mark against his name. Against or the just big- buying a crate for the boys. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, again, there's, there's questions out of this one. There's been some rotations in this Chiefs squad. Good, we're, we're assuming Luke Jacobson. You've got to get this guy back in the starting squad. Um, good to, to have him, you know, probably back, which means Boshi probably shifts back to the the bench. He covers a few positions through that back row as well and been mixed, Mr. Fix-It a little bit for them, but... The people that have been missing in recent weeks was Shooter Stevenson, who just absolutely lit up their their uh, attack for the first few rounds of this season and sort of maybe fallen out of favour a little bit. He's not injured or anything, is he, Aaron? Not that we're aware of, but he might have just had COVID, to be honest, the fact that they shifted Mankivell over to the wing. 
Yeah, but he missed the, or maybe it was a midweek game before that. He missed, he's missed the last couple games. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Nankovell's not going to stay. But a, Well, apparently Nankovell's been so good that he's in all Blacks conversations now, which I think is a stretch. But that I think that's why they're just trying to keep him on the park. But yeah. I don't know that that will continue. And then the other the other, <clears throat> uh, the other other tough position is going to be Narawa versus Tia Tia. Narawa. And, you know, we thought it was Narawa, but then Chase Tia Tia comes off the bench and lights it up oh, yeah. last week as well. Um, do you who, who would you pick at go out of narrower and chase tear tear at fullback, or you can also pick Caleb Trask? So, um, have, you, have you seen much of narrower this season? A little bit here and there. Yeah, this is the thing I love about New Zealand rugby is like the argument isn't like, um, it's not really like who's. Who's worse, so to speak? Like, it's always like, who's better? Like, where do they just yeah. keep pumping these guys out? Um, so, Narawa came through the same time as Nareki. He was in the blue squad and he was the, I think he was the top try scorer for the uh, Mitre 10 above Nareki. And we were naming yeah. those two as our exciting outside backs to come through. Narawa never got, yeah, on our new Hot Chip podcast, which of course you're very familiar with. Um, <laughs> very. <laughs> you, you're, you're actually on it this year, so that's pretty good. The media section. Uh, but just never kind of came to fruition with the Blues and then the, he's been really good at the Chiefs. Yeah. He started last week, right? Yep. So he's had a couple yeah. starts there. I'm I'm like, I like keeping that consistency and then if TRT yeah. is being, um, injecting energy off the bench, like that's what you want finishers yeah. to do. So, um I think the like I know it's been spoken about with coaches and stuff. We talk about it's not like bench first start anymore. It's like yeah. start versus okay. finish. So you do pick particular guys that come on and provide something in the last quarter of a game yeah. or however long it is. So yeah, I'd stick with narrow starting TT off the bench. Yeah, look, I mean that's that's the way I see it. Narrow is on my fantasy team as well, so that always helps. I might be a little bit biased there, but um, for the Blues, uh, Harry t- sort of touched on the guys returning. Bodie declaring himself fit so hopefully coming into the starting side and and Caleb Clark's the big one we're waiting on we don't have any any idea about you know if he's gonna face a band look I I think it was it was a car but hopefully he's not facing any any weeks past you know that that punishment on the day um obviously it was a bit of a a situation without any malice or intent so hopefully there's no sure yeah but it deserved a red card by the book um so look, hopefully Caleb Clark is is free to play. Um, they've moved. They've had moving pieces last few weeks. You know, midweek games. Talea playing plenty of footy. Here's the big question for you. Like, oh, not maybe not a big question, but he's not uh, back. You know, we haven't got um, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck yet. I think he's back round the ten. Boy. So uh, to me, that means that they're probably going to play Rico and um, Bryce Heem in the centres. They're going to have Mark Talea on one wing. If Caleb Clark's gone, who do you give the other wing spot to? Is Zahn Sullivan playing fullback? Well, I mean, he's never played wing before, so <laughs> I assume. Um, that's a hard one. Look, I, I think AJ Lamb's probably their their next choice. I know I love Talia, who they, they don't seem to give any time anymore on the wing. We've got Jacob Radamadavuki Nipkins as well, who has had a couple chances off the bench. No, I think two off the, the bench. Um, but look, I, I think they're going to revert to AJ Lamb, the, the guy they've trusted in that jersey more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is, a, I suppose, a, again, a, a really tough one 
to pick without these lines so we can't measure up, you know, some of the the little intricacies between these two teams. Um, both have had a couple wins, a couple losses. I think Chiefs are doing maybe better than, you know, there'd been hopes early on in the year. I, th- I think they're performing, performing relatively well. Um, but who do you think is going to win this one, Akko? Uh, I'm leaning with the Blues. It's Bodie's back. Rico's yeah. back. Hoskins to Tutu is back. Um, but I have a real soft spot for Luke Jacobson. <laughs> I got a really it. good chance. I had a really good chance during the rugby championship last year. I'm getting to work on those games. Like get a really good front row seat and um, got to talk to some of the All Blacks players and coaches like after games and interviews and stuff. And just yeah. like how good is this guy and they just rave about him. So I think the Blues will win. But I just like what Jacobson brings when you put him in any team. Yep. So I'm going for the Blues, but I like Jacobson. Got, yeah, that's that's fair. Look, I think Josh Uwani, if he was there playing, I'd probably lean towards the Chiefs. He's just so dynamic and exciting. That that centre pairing of Tapia and Anton Leonard Brown back, Nanasaturo, Narawa, Shooter Stevenson. There's so many weapons in that back line um, outside Weber um, with some you know some really exciting forwards as well. I'd love to say the Chiefs. Um, in fact, I'm just going to say it anyway. Blue, blues. <laughs> Blues haven't convinced me at times. I think they should be the winners. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say Chiefs. Chiefs both are right. Good. I think go either way. I'm going home ground advantage. The cowbell to force a missed kick by Bodie Barrett for the loss. Chiefs to win by one. <laughs> oh, that's tough. <laughs> uh, Fiji and Drua versus the Brums. This is apparently scheduled for Suncorp. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's a Drua home game. Yeah. Right, they and they're obviously a lot of their home games. They've sort of shared their home games around. For Queensland, um, like, Gary, keep up. Yeah, um, this might be the Brumbies' chance to finally get a win at Suncorp. <laughs> in like oh, seven I years. Hope they, I really? hope they don't. Just how good would that be? Um, yeah. Not, not much of that happening. But look, um, Nagusa has got his four-week ban for for Ndrua. Jesse Mogg hurt himself eighth minute or something like that, um, which means we see Tommy uh, White, Harry on. Jesse Mogg, what did you make of the the pictures of um, them assessing him? Because I've tried to get an answer out of them this week on where he's at and I haven't heard back, like what he's actually done. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I actually haven't seen anything. Um, I'm just interested to see as a physio, you saw the way they were testing his knee, what you thought. Uh, you, give me give me a look and I'll give me a second. I'll have a quick look and I'll come back to you while you guys check. Hey, okay. Well, um, sorry, we'll... question without notice. No, oh, that's I, exactly I actually saw I, I think he landed on the point of his knee, which straight away you think in PCL. And if he can't yeah. continue, it's probably reasonably significant. But I'll um I'll have a look and I'll come back to you. Yeah, I think on the night there was a report. Um, like our floor producer went and chatted to the bench and came back and said, "Oh, there's like um, fluid under his kneecap or below his kneecap or something like that." But I just they did a test on his knee on the field, which made me think one way in particular, um, yeah. and not not a physio, so. Um, yeah, Harry, so Harry will get it up and stuff. hopefully can can give us a bit of info. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued to see Tom Wright shifting into that fullback jersey. I know it's out of necessity rather than anything else, um, but I think he he has a pretty good skill set. I know there's very small mumblings about could he play centre or could he play another role. In so, center, yeah. yeah, he's he's done well on, on the wing, but I'm intrigued to see how he goes there at 15. I don't. Maybe I just haven't paid attention, but I don't know much about his kicking game and um, mm. if there's, there's you know, much depth to, to that. 
Um, yeah. Some people have been really vocal about him getting a crack at 15. And i got to be honest, from what I've seen from him, I haven't – like people talk about Geordie Bataille as an example. Yeah. Like great runner. Yeah. Um, but, you know, how good is his kicking game and stuff. I feel like there's enough examples of Geordie kicking from the wing where you're like, yeah, there's a good platform there. Yep. Um, from what I've seen with Tom, I haven't seen a lot of that. I'm not at all saying he can't kick, mm. but I've seen people say, you know, he's got the skill set or like he's got a good kicking yep. game or he can he can ball play. I haven't seen him do a lot of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I think, I don't know, early days, I really got that vibe that he could ball play. Uh, and I don't mm. know if it was coming through the NRC or what it was. And, and, he, and yeah, one yeah. I know Did he, he play a bit of six there. when he was at Manly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. Okay. Maybe, maybe that was that was it, right? And that's where it's coming from. But I, I, I vaguely remember sort of seeing and thinking that he he had that ability and wanted to see him in the centre. So maybe this is just a chance for us to to get a bit more of a look at him. But completely different style, fullback to Pattaya. Yeah. Right, Pattaya is like we're expecting yeah. Falau attack and finesse, but can actually mm. kick um, and yeah. can actually defend which probably two massive gaping holes, I think, for Falau through, through a large part of his period, but obviously a freak in attack. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. I hope he does well because it's an area of um, of concern for Australian rugby yeah. or seemingly an area of concern. So, if you know, if he does well, then it's, it's added depth in that position. Um, yeah. But I am a little bit puzzled by, like, some people being yeah. so vocal about him needing to get a crack there because I hadn't really seen enough to make it go, well, I want to see him at 15. It's just this weird thing. I think people wanted to see him play somewhere else other than wing, whether it's centre or fullback. It's hard for me to, to understand. But um, Does this come up for you, Akko? I know I'm just cutting in. Can you see this? I am seeing something, yeah. Mog? Uh, it's black at the moment. Oh, but, yeah. No, okay. Stan's not good with that. No, I think it's going to be uh, Stan won't let us share the screen while I'm sitting here. Oh, okay. So what he does is he jumps up and he lands straight down on the point of his knee. So that's like your, your very typical mechanism for a PCL injury. Um, yeah. The assessment that they do on field is looking for Lockman's for an ACL, but that's yeah. because that's what they always do because if there's one reason they're not going to let him play on, it's because he's done his ACL. Okay. So yeah. they do assess that, but then they get him up and let him walk around, which he would suggest off. here that he hasn't done his ACL. They didn't think it. Um, yeah. They do like a little hammy contraction, which if you've lost your PCL, you'd see the shin like drop backwards and you can't make that out as obvious on the, the camera there either. So maybe he's yeah. just not that severe, but mechanism looks like it's got to be PCL. It walks off pretty well yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw them do that, you know, what that's most cool. people recognise as the ACL test. So that's why I was asking because I was yeah. like, hmm. They'll yeah. always do that. For, for it's it's just yeah. first thing, yeah. For, yeah. First thing because it's like, you know, for the most part of these injuries, it's kind of like can you play on yes or no, but is there a really obvious reason it's super unsafe? And the obvious one is, well, you got no ACL. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. In terms of, um, of the last time these two teams played, um, was round two, the Brumbies flogging. The Ndrua forty-two to three. Um, in terms of the Ndrua, they've got Duran Alangi now shifting into that eight with Nongusa missing and also taking over the captaincy. He is the captain from the start of the year, was he? No, he, no, he, sorry, he, he was the captain when Nongusa wasn't playing. Yeah, yeah. But then he had his ankle injury. So I reckon it might be. Um, oh, is he actually captain? Is he named captain? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, he is named as captain. Oh, okay, he yeah, could have Teddy been. Teller had been capping them as well. Teddy Teller. Yeah. Yeah. You, mate, you just want to talk about more Queenslanders, right? No, I just think it's an interesting <laughs> point. Yeah, sure. Um, I've, got, I've got a humble brag about him as well. 
Um, oh, yeah. I just thought it was interesting, like in his first start, I think he captained when the uh, when the six went off injured against the Reds yeah. that day. Mm. Would it have been Duralangi, Captain Six? Yeah. So he, yeah. the guy that was ahead of him in that one for captaincy is, is the eight and he's the captain this one. Um, yeah. Returning Duralangi, the white shark, the, the Fijian Sevens player. The only other name that I had on here that I just needed to see was Episolome Vota been back yet uh, <laughs> outside centre because he's just been tearing it up. And I didn't think their centre pairing looked very good last week. Um, they just didn't really have the same punch. Uh, I think they were just relying way too heavily on uh, who, who's the other centre, Raracia? Uh Yes. No, Revalvao. Revalvao. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had months as well at 12. Yeah, didn't work. Um, who, <laughs> yeah. Who's a 10 and, and didn't really flourish in that, that 12 jersey. They've got um, uh, Samu, what's his... Some 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 yeah. Um, at covering twelve, he in the trials. I think he was pretty much everywhere uh, at parts of, of that for them. So he's he's an exciting one to see in that twelve jersey. Always helpful if you have got Vote outside. You just give him the ball. And the other name that we you know, Nelson and I look out for every single week is uh, Bolatha as well. The sevens player just tears it up. So he's on the bench this list this week as well. So I hope he comes on for a lot too. Like you know, 50 minutes in or something, can they give him a proper crack? Because I don't think he's really got his chance to show how good he is this year. And also a couple of changes in the locking department. Rarasea and Manimbi covering the locks with Nasila Sila going onto the bench. We've also got Hatet coming into that uh, loose head role. Fantasy pick. Something made like 16 tackles a game in Mitre 10 as well. He was, he, he, yeah, he's a big work rate prop. Yeah. Um, is he part Mary? As well, I think he was the one guy. I might be wrong, but um, Maori heritage um, in in this team. But in terms of the Brumbies, how good is it seeing? I'm pretty sure we've seen it. Pollard at hooker. Yes, yes. how good he's exciting. Um, want to see some more time of him. My fantasy, I wanted to see more of Lonigan there, but I'll, I'll take Pollard. Um, we've got Hooper. Why Lonigan? Oh, look, I he, again, he's because he's, he's in his team. He's in my team. I. <laughs> I actually really rate both of them. I, I, I want to see more of Pollard, but I think um, Lonigan, he's still got some of the same gaps that a lot of the other Aussie hookers in terms of his line-out consistency and, yeah. and things like that. But he just, I, I like his work rate around the field. I, I think he's got a lot of promise and he's, you know, shared a lot of game time with a couple other hookers there. So I just want to see more of him, to, yeah. to be honest. And, yeah, he's sort of taken over that, you know, second role probably for, for them. But I'm really excited to see Pollard. Everyone keeps saying, you know, he's a um, Dane Cole-style hooker. It's around the paddock. Um, but they've also got Hubert and Swain in the locks. Still no Neville. Rhymer coming in over Brown at seven. Oh, Rhymer's been promising when he's had his chances. Yeah. Um, Brown hasn't set the world alight, but it has a, a decent sort of work rate. Clark to win. And we obviously we talked about, you know, the man with the right stuff at fullback. So, and Ollie Sapsford on the bench, and I think that's, you know, I think Rev was calling for, from uh, Robbie Fixation, was calling for him to start at inside centre now that our race Simone signed overseas so yep. that we can kind of get the uh, Kiwi influence in if there in as doubt, quickly as possible. If in doubt, pick a Kiwi. Never a bad thing. Who, he's a big loss, I reckon. He's the type of player Australia can't afford to lose because he's in that middle tier yeah. that keeps yeah, the rugby team strong. Like, yeah, he's not an out-and-out wallaby. He can play test. He has played test rugby. He's yeah. behind probably four other people. But if we start losing those mid-tier guys who are good, solid super rugby guys, we'll end up with super rugby teams that have got one or two really high-probe guys and then all these, like, young, inexperienced yeah. 
the trickiest part of it is like there's only going to be so much money to go around. You've yeah. got, you know, Karevi, you've got Paisami, you've got Fakedi also fighting out for that that third spot in the centers. He's he's one of those ones you're not surprised that leaves. He just yeah. he just had a bad year last year and it was at the wrong time, to be honest. Now Fakedi's jumped him and he's just too far out of the picture. But he's he's, he's a very good player. He's a great, great player. Sad to see him go. Um, but yeah, how many how many points are you chip, chipping? Are you tipping the Fijian and Drua to win this one by? Okay, um, <laughs> it'd be good. I actually, I'm going. I'm at the game, working at the game, so it'd be yep. awesome to see. Um, and I'd love that um, SunCorp Hoodoo to continue for the Brumbies. <laughs> um, but uh, look, I think the Brumbies going to win by about twenty five. Oh, that was the number I had in my head. I can already see the headlines coming after this. It's yeah. Adco hates the Brumbies. <laughs> <laughs> it's called it's called like um respect. <laughs> <laughs> um look I, 25 is the number in my head. I'm I'm just gonna trump you and think it's gonna be bigger. I'm gonna say 26. Oh, one point. Yeah, right. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Twenty-four. <laughs> Closest win. Closest win. You're allowed to go over. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. <laughs> All right. Last game of the week. Uh, we'll we'll only do a little rapid preview of this one because there's games before it and it's on a Tuesday night. Hurricanes play Moana Pacifica and then make up for round four. Obviously, the the team lineups are very much dependent on what we're going to see um, the weekend before. But the big one for me is here. For the Hurricanes, it's a four-day turnaround from their Saturday game. So I think they're probably going to try and rotate their bench calls to get some more minutes. It's a, it's a chance to bring back players like Isaiah Walker, Leawera, Caleb Delaney, Alex Fidel, Eosef, um, Landers, Gibson, you know, all these fringe players. Aiden Morgan, maybe put Love up the back. So I, I think all those fringe players will get a run and they will use it as their B team, as so many of the sides have. Mm. And the other thing is Moana Pacifica, it's their fifth game in 18 days. Yeah, it's just wild. So I don't think they are going to have any players ready. <clears throat> Look, again, it's just going to be picking the players that aren't playing lots of other minutes, right? I mean, yeah. we'll have probably um, Abraham Pohl, uh, Lotteru, no, Tola is actually starting yeah, this week. Right. Um, so Renewia, we'll probably have Renewia or Sam Molly in the hooker um, at Pikatoa. Michael Curry's injured. Don't know about him. Kelly Tui. No, he's just a concussion, I think. So I yep. figure he'll be back. That's 10 days. Yep. We'll, we'll probably see Jack Lamb slot back into that back row somewhere and, you know, get McClutchy in that 10 jersey. Um, maybe Tamatine for the Tamatini for um, the nine. Anisi Taifua. Tafua's out, I think, at the moment. I think I, I read something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's back from concussion by then. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to pick. Tua Tavuki as well. Um, we'll, go, we'll go straight to the tip because we're not going to know, but we're not no. going to get another chance to preview. On the back of uh, five games in 18 days versus a four-day turnaround, who's going to get it done? Do Moana Pacifica beat the Hurricanes two times in a year? No. Okay. No, sweet, easy. That's that's a, that's a huge ask playing that many games in that short amount of time. Like that's, I know they're trying to squeeze games in because of COVID and everything, but that's almost like unfair to put that on a team. Yeah, I agree. Look, I, I I don't see how they can get the win, but hugely unfair. Yeah, hugely unfair. But it's, I mean, it's just the situation, right? They want to play footy, and this is a way that get them playing footy. Um, hopefully, you know, they don't have to do this throughout the rest of the season, but it would also be helpful for Aussie teams because they could cause an upset or two. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Um, but yeah, look, I, I think you've got to got to be handing it across to the Canes for the win here. 
yeah, on, on the same Hurricanes by 20. Um, we were, yeah, Echo, we were actually lobbying that they play all the makeup games in the weeks between the Aussie matches. <laughs> we were we, pushing that. <laughs> <laughs> did you get any traction? Did anyone, did anyone pay attention? Uh, uh, yeah, a few phone calls for Rugby Australia, but <laughs> New Zealand rugby weren't biting for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Uh, look, we're going to jump into our dessert, the last little bit. Uh, of our podcast. I don't know if you've picked up, we do Entree Main's Dessert. I think we started eating when we started doing podcasts five or so years ago, so that's how it all, all kicked off. But this dessert is brought to you by hashtag AdcoNose. <laughs> had some ice cream sponsors before but we'll just go straight into that goes nose hashtag it you know if you need to get anything out of the reds or, or aussie rugby yeah so i mean I, I feel like we've got a couple of questions here but then we've got the uh the uh engagement from some of the fans as well so uh i don't know fans. what's this the first of fans no mate they're 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 your fans they're not even rugby fans anymore they're your look, fans. let me just say josh bristow who is on the list is not a fan <laughs> <laughs> we'll get I, to him we'll get I, to him i saw the video though I, I do love it look my my first question is have you heard anything i saw it written today um that frost is looking to pull out of his japanese deal have you heard any rumblings about that whatsoever yeah this one's been around a couple of weeks um and i've been doing some digging on it um I think I think it's his mindset's probably just changed from what I gather his mindset's yep. changed a little bit since being um called into the Wallaby squad um and I kind of um got told that him signing with Japan was a little bit of a shock to um yep. like Rennie and stuff and um that's good Nick Frost very good um <laughs> great movies with Simon Pegg he is good um, and I think it sort of blindsided them a bit. And I think yeah. Rennie might have called him and was like, oh, mate, really disappointed because they have a high opinion of him. And so I think it's um, less a case of he's wanting to pull out and more a case of he's second guessing and Australian rugby might be, rugby Australia might be looking at how they might be able to keep him here. Um, one way that that could happen, I think it's going to cost them money if they want to do it regardless. Yep. But if they cap him this year, yep. it makes him less valuable in the Japanese comp because there's yeah. obviously um, quotas, restrictions on... Two, I think. You only yeah, have like two, two, another two one be on the field at one time. Yeah. I, yeah. I threw that out there as just absolute banter. When when Frost was um, named in the squad, people saying, why would you pick him? Pick yeah. one of the Queenslanders. And just as absolute banter, I'm like, oh, we're just going to give him a cap so that it ruins yeah. his Japanese deal. But yeah. <laughs> well, like, I don't think... I think that... I think it's not too far from the truth. I don't think they'd cap him just for the sake of it. But they genuinely rate him, and I think he's yeah. earned his place in the in the squad. Um, I, I've got to be a question mark on Caden Neville being there, um, but that's a different topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's being looked at, um, yeah. and it's just how they can work it to get him out of it. But it's, right. I think if he has signed, which I understand he has, it's going to cost money to get him out. I would assume. Yeah. One word. Where does Karevi sign? That's not one word. No, one word is no. your answer. He'll be anywhere in the world. Hold yeah. on. Is my is am I answering where do I want him to sign or where will he sign? Definitely where will he sign? Because <laughs> actually, no, where where do you want him to sign? Because we might actually get some bias here. Ah. <laughs> no, you won't. I want him to sign. This isn't one word. Sorry, Nelson. That's yeah. right. We'll give you I want I want him to sign um at the force or the rebels. Because as much as I'd love to see him back in Queensland, 
Queensland don't need him. I mean, he's a better player than anyone there. Don't oh, sorry, like in their back line. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. But Queensland aren't um, struggling in their back line, and I think it's better for Australian rugby if he goes to the Force or the Rebels. Yeah, I don't want to see him taken over by something. I want to see Pasami at twelve for the Reds. To be fair. Yep. Yep. Um, I agree. Send him to the Waratahs. Um, <laughs> <Carisi> <laughs> what do you do with Fiketti? Hey, Parisi wing Fiketti plays outside. It all works. That's right. hey, Parisi's a waste on the wing. Now we're, we're going to play him at 10. <laughs> oh, Samu. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, he can do that. His ball playing is underrated. <laughs> yeah. I don't want him to pass. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, let, let's get into some of the listener questions that have come through. So first from uh, Matt from Gold Digger Rugby. <laughs> Uh, he said uh, he's just obviously referencing your profile picture yeah. where you're floating the ball in midair. So he, he believes not only do you know everything, but he just he says, how does he make that ball float in the air? Is it wizardry or Jedi powers? Any comment? A magician never reveals his tricks. Okay. <laughs> good answer. Very good. Now, this was my favourite one uh, from Josh <laughs> Bristow. Uh, he said, what? Bristow, sorry. He said, why won't he agree to a run at straight duel with me? And now I did my research before you answer this. He's He works for Fox Sports, I believe. Is yep. that right? Yep. So I believe a Stan versus Fox Sports battle on the back of the uh, rugby changing hands. I think this yeah. is a brilliant idea. Oh, can I have like 10 minutes to dump on Josh Bristow here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Josh Bristow, um, precursor. Um, someone I consider a, a mate. He's a very funny human being. He used to work at nine. So we used to work together. He was mostly in the regions, but he spent a little bit of time down here in Brisbane um, during COVID and then got a job at Fox. Um, Loves rugby. Loves it. Like has played club rugby, still plays club rugby, like sixth grade at East, but loves (laughs) hanging shit on rugby. And he loves (laughs) hanging shit on me, but like being invested in rugby and covering rugby. And like he says, it's it's like he just does it all as a wind-up because he loves the game. He's like... Sends me Instagram pages that are selling like vintage Reds jerseys and stuff like that. Like he just <laughs> loves rugby. Bit of banter. Yes, good a bit of banter. So he's just this is all about him winding me up. And you'll if yep. you follow him, you'll see he'll like he'll find a way to jibe me about like um, some story about me playing reserve grade jeeps because I've been known to tell the odd reserve grade story. And so he, it's just all wind up. So he's great banter, but he also. He has a really good center of gravity. So if, I <laughs> I saw the video. At, if I ran straight at him, he might not be like, he might be a sixth grade rugby player, but physically he's a better chance of putting me on my ass. You might get red carded, head contact. That's right. Yeah. Okay, you said you're going to shit on him for 10 minutes. All you did was compliment him for the record. <laughs> yeah. Well, my shitting on him is like he constantly is ripping into rugby and like, yeah. Um, we don't like and it. I'm always like, mate, you still can play sixth <laughs> grade on a Friday night at East. That's the most like desperado rugby person <laughs> yeah. I can think of. But he like hangs it. The truth is he loves the game and he works for an organization that have out and out literally told him, do not go to any Reds media ops or press conferences. Do not cover it at all, period. And he's <laughs> wow. like a couple of times he's been like, oh, there's this happening. And they're like, no, nah, don't go. Yeah, doesn't go. surprise me, but it's yeah. interesting to actually hear that. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised at all. He's um, also look- a really shit rugby player, so. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, this one's from David Cargreg, DCG, DCARG on Twitter. He's the guy we've kicked off the pod to have you on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said you were one member down. No, no. You, by choice. Yeah, by choice. <laughs> um, 
He says, how, and I've got an answer to this, but I'm happy to hear you. No, no, Akko knows, mate. Not you, you know, Nelson knows. Um, how does one clean out a well-positioned player over the ball without hitting the head, neck, shoulders region when all you're presented with is a head, neck, shoulder region and about two seconds, if that, before the penalty is called, called for holding on? How do we fix this? Uh, there's the old crocodile roll in there. Yeah, I, that's what I've asked. I, I said that. I go, why you is it? Time. You, no, you, you do. Have you time, do have time, man. mate. You, you never played in the forties. You, they, you never did one. But they're the, going to ban that as well because people do their ACLs. I, I think it is banned. That's what someone threw out when I yeah. had the same answer. But the, maybe you got to aim for their back. Yeah, I don't actually have a good answer to this because well, I think I've it's. I've, I've got the answer. There's there's an actual law that you have to bind when you come into the ruck. He has to bind to his player. Always to bind to the other player. It's always the rule. It's not a new rule. So if he runs in and does not attempt to bind someone and shoulders someone in the head, he's clearly getting penalised. He had to bind to his own man and try to push them over. No one not just, that. but yeah, I mean, no that's, what they're trying to, that's what they're trying to get rid of, right? Realistically, Slipper was getting penalised. He didn't have to do it. I don't think he's, he was. He should have. But he should have been. He's that, the, I think that's part of the problem. Like I'm not I agree. At all excusing Tuana because he yeah. hits him in the head. Um, but if you look at Twain, if you look at Twain, um, like he doesn't keep, he doesn't tuck his arms and hit him in the shoulder. He actually is looking to bind on something or someone. No one runs in like we used to practice. Yeah, no one runs in like we used to practice in under eights and like finds a mate before they get to the ruck and goes arm and arm like that. Like binding's just not a thing anymore. I think, but, yeah. But slip the. I think there's a big problem in the ruck at the moment is they aren't quick enough to penalise people for putting hands in the ruck. And I've seen people say, well, Hoopert should have done his job better. But Hoopert's already there and Slipper's still playing the ball. That's ruck formed. doesn't change the clean out. But, like, the defending players of the ball, you know, the defending team have too much time to at least take a shot at the ball. So now it's making teams, like, try and blow them away. Yep. The only other thing for me that I feel like it's the easy solution is in the last couple of years, we've gone completely soft on actually making the ball player hold their own body weight. Every single one is head below hips not yep. and not supporting their own body weight. Head's got to be above if you, hips legally, If you make heads above your hips legally and supporting their own weight, then you actually open up the front of the chest to actually have something to hit. So I think it's an actual, uh, it's the fault of the way we're refereeing, letting the person that's defending pill for the ball without supporting their body weight, which is every single penalty. My yeah. I think the solution is you got to penalise them as soon as they're playing the ball legally like Slipper. But it is in the rules, you have to bind. Yeah. If he got on the back of Hooper, just right right. clear him out, which is what he should be doing, and it was ref like that and Slipper was penalised, then it doesn't, you, you're not looking for the Hail Mary, clear someone out and therefore connecting with the head. So, so my solution is ref it if you don't penalise it, you red card the ref because it's, <laughs> it's dangerous. It is dangerous, red card the ref. Jason Sherman uh, it has come back to us. He said, what is his take, what is Atco's take on the local Australian support for the need to have Kiwi teams, especially from a broadcast perspective? At present, it feels like two comps. Maybe things will change, but if we have another 22 New Zealand versus Australia type season, where's that leave Australia going forward? Um, I think broadcast money is a big factor. I just don't think broadcasters would pay for a competition domestically that has five, six teams. Um, yep. I loved Super Rugby AU last year. Yes. Yeah, so um, and I think fans love Super Rugby AU. Yeah. Um, but it's not sustainable. 
Like, yeah, you know, you can't play each other more than twice. It would just get repetitive, and then the season's too short. Um, a couple of New South Wales teams in it could be all right. Yeah, but you guys didn't take NRC seriously, and it look what happened. Fair. So. Yeah, fair. That was a big issue. Um, so I'm not sure what he means by um, feels like two comps. Does he mean because we played <laughs> Australia and New Zealand being so separate? I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that, that's just a product of COVID this year. It wasn't supposed yeah. to be like that, you right. know. Moana Pacifica was supposed to play Brumbies round one. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just a product of the situation, unfortunately. Um, I would love to be able to give an answer on a model for a purely domestic competition because using AU last year as an example, I thought it was yep. awesome. It was awesome. I thought there was so much like buy-in engagement. It was great. Um, but the fact of the matter is like a five or 16 comp isn't interesting to broadcasters and that's where most of the money comes from. And so we have to have you, the Kiwis. Um, yeah. You think you think it could work? And this is something we've been fans of. I don't know if it can work. I actually want to persist with what we're doing. But if you had a Super Rugby AU, Australian rugby's got control of it. Super Rugby, you know, Aotearoa, they've got control of it. And then we do a, a rugby championship, you know, like the Northern Hemisphere where you've got teams coming in from each. You can even do two tiers. You can have a couple of Japanese teams coming in and you've got pools. So you versus a couple of teams in your pools and playoff and you kind of sprinkle that throughout the season if the team of the comps are obviously aligned. So you've got your big games against Kiwi teams. You don't have to play necessarily every Kiwi team. You've got the crowds from, from Japan bringing in broadcast revenue, but you still get your local domestic um, finals and a local domestic winner? Um, oh yeah, I think it could work. Um, the, I guess the the first four I see in it is like, you know, realistically, being brutally honest, our pool um, is weaker than New Zealand's. I mean, it was showed in the Trans-Tasman last year. So if you were yeah. like, if you were then taking like the top three from each one or something and, and then had a, second division like the second division kiwis would be like well, we're fucking better than those guys so um i mean that that's just unfortunately the situation we're in at the moment in terms of the strength of our rugby versus strength of theirs yeah i kind of live in this utopic world um where i think like creating some brand new domestic competition um based on like existing rugby clubs is the best way forward, but it will never happen because it's too hard to manage and it's too hard yep. to choose who goes in and who goes out. And the rich ones that get in first will always be rich and powerful and the poor ones will always be poor and weak. But mm-hmm. I, I would love to see uh, an Australian version of rugby like the NRL, like it's yeah, in Australian teams, because I genuinely believe that one of our biggest issues is that every Sunday or Monday, the conversation is, we got pants by the Kiwis again. Australian rugby sucks. Yeah. Look yeah, at last right. year when it was just the Aussies playing each other. It was just like win, 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 win. You know. I um, like I don't don't I don't mind the NRL, but my one thought is sometimes when I watch it that there's a, a bulk of players that aren't that brilliant. They just yeah. go to work and work hard, and they've yeah. spread the talent over a lot of teams where you've got some absolute freaks in every team. And you yeah. probably don't realise because they don't often come up against the Crusaders type quality team where everyone's an absolute freak. Mm. So I, I don't necessarily buy that we don't have talent to have a domestic comp. The NSC I thought was brilliant, super entertaining, yeah. um, and that was in early days. And if they invested into and actually threw some money behind it and brought some players back and different things like that at the end of their career, I think that could work. I just don't see how they could ever 
get to the point where they created that comp, as you said, for the same issues? Yeah, I mean, like, the, if, if you use it as a comparison to the NRL, it's had 100 and... yeah. 14 years now, you know, so you're starting basically from scratch in a time where everyone's watching everything and doesn't want to be involved in anything that's not successful. So yeah, that's what I mean by like, it will never happen. It's too hard to put together, but that's, that's my utopia is, yep. um, is there. So I think Super Rugby Pacific is probably the best model we can um, go with for now. We just yep. need to start. Oh, hopefully when COVID's over, it's more of a crossover. So it doesn't feel like two comps. And hopefully we just start becoming more competitive because then that's the main thing. It doesn't really matter what the comp looks like. If we win or we're winning, people pay attention. Okay. Guys, last question um, from at James underscore Horwill said, is there anything ATCO doesn't know? Hashtag ATCO knows. Hashtag ATCO knows all. New hashtag. And First and foremost, I think this proves that he didn't make that Kono's hashtag because he's created that at Kono's all hashtag. He's not sure which one it is, I reckon. So. I, don't, I don't reckon he knows at all. Atco, we, uh, I think we've conclusively proven tonight that you do know all. So uh, I don't think we need to answer that one. It's only because you haven't asked me enough questions about the Kiwi teams. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I answered Kev's question on Twitter and... Um, that that I, I don't know how to predict fog. That's what I <laughs> that's fair. There's little devices that do that. So that's you, right. you, you don't. They need would have been real that. handy for my first trip to South Africa eight years ago, mate. Your <laughs> <laughs> grand final was it, and nice and foggy. Um, I'll give. I'll try and give you the really short version. Um, so we have to fly Brisbane to Sydney, Sydney Joburg, and then connecting flight to wherever. Leaves Brisbane on a Sunday morning at like 6 a.m. Yep. Um, we'd played like the night before, so I fell asleep on the plane and woke up to you and Mackenzie sitting behind me going like, Michael, you need to sort this out. And I'm like, what's going on? And it's just clouds outside. Yeah. And so there was this horrendous fog in Sydney. We couldn't land in Sydney. They'd flown back to Newcastle. We were circling Newcastle. They eventually flew us back to, like they said, oh, we'll land in Newcastle, didn't land there, land in Coffs Harbour, didn't land there. We ended up flying back to the Gold Coast and landing there and refueling and then getting back to Sydney. So we were three hours late for our um, connecting flight to Joburg because we had business all booked out with the whole team. They held the flight for us. So we got that flight, but that just had all these flow-on effects. So when we got to Joburg, we missed our connecting flight to Blom and then they had a hotel we were supposed to stay at but when we got across there they were putting two blokes in a room with one bed and didn't have like they said there'd be food vouchers there for us and we get there and they're like oh the food vouchers are back at the hotel and then the next day we're all supposed to catch the same flight out of Joburg to Blom and we get to the airport and they're like oh no you're on three separate flights uh no I think it was like five separate flights over the next like six hours and it just was like Lemony Snicket, series of unfortunate events, like anything that could go wrong. And it was my first trip to Africa and I, I just felt like so <laughs> alone. And it all started because of fog in Sydney. <laughs> out, of that, out of that, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't sound like you don't know how to um, predict fog. It sounds like Atco doesn't know how to plan a trip. With a- <laughs> it was planned. Fog ruined it. <laughs> Mate, look, thanks for giving us your time. This has been a long pod. We yeah, really sorry. appreciate you coming on. We really appreciate everything you're doing at the moment for, for rugby, and that's coming from people outside Queensland. Um, keep up the good work, but it's, it's been brilliant to have you on board for tonight. 
no, nah, it's been um, it's been enjoyable. Sorry, I can rabbit on, so apologies for the length. No, mate, we, we, we're worried about keeping you. Yeah, so. that's right. We, we love it. We'll talk all night. <laughs> it's, I'm fine now. It's when I wake up at 5.45 in the morning with three kids under the age of five. I'll be going, Harry and Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> blame Kagi. Blame Kagi. He's the one who's... That's yeah. right. If he did better, we probably yeah. wouldn't have guests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all no right. Worries. Thanks, mate. I'll send Cheers, you my mate. invoice later in the week. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> cheers, mate. Thanks, guys. <laughs>